Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Forever Blue podcast. Uh, my name is Ian Cheeseman. You're very welcome along. Uh, we are, of course, going to talk about Manchester City in this hour, maybe general football things as well, but principally Manchester City. Um, that's what we do every week. So if you want to subscribe and uh, get, get yourself onto the point where you don't even have to click on it or follow me on Twitter to get the podcast so that it just pops into your inbox, then click on subscribe. You can do that on SoundCloud, iTunes, uh, Spotify, all those sorts of things. So uh, thanks very much for, for doing that. Much appreciated. And also a big shout out to the sponsors of this podcast who are Howard Solicitors. They're based in Ashton and Stockport. They specialise in all sorts of things. Uh, for example, criminal defence law, motoring offences and offer legal aid at police stations and courts. They're open 24 hours. They're always available to answer your call or to turn out to a police station to represent you. So you can call them if you're facing any type of police prosecution on 0161 872 9999. Obviously, we hope you don't need them. But if you do, that's where they are. And they are good people who will do their best to help you. And they also have a website, of course, howardsolicitors.com. And if you need their services, tell them that I sent you Forever Blue, Ian Cheeseman. So what we're going to talk about today, well, we'll find out after, after I've introduced uh, my guests for this week, who are um, Adam, Adam Perdue, who's a former member of City Matters, but he's a lifelong City fan and uh, always got plenty of uh, very valuable opinions on the podcast. We've also got uh, Stephen Pierce, Stephen, who is, uh, I know, been going as long as me, really, watching the Blues, uh, home and away, he was down at Villa uh, this weekend. Um, and again, another passionate and very opinionated blue. But in our midst, we have a legend. We have a true legend. We have one of the greatest players ever to pull on the sky blue of Manchester City. And somebody I've been, had the pleasure of working with uh, the BBC and in various other guises. So I know him very well. He is one, a lovely, humble, genuine legend. I can't say any more than that. And I know what high esteem he's held in by City fans. Um, so you've probably worked it out by now, but that man is Paul Lake. Paul, you're very welcome to the podcast and really appreciate your time. It's a pleasure. So first of all, let me start by talking to you, Paul, about your views on City at the moment. Um, obviously, a draw at, at Aston Villa, uh, the game coming up at Seville in the Champions League. There's been one other draw this season against Newcastle. And yet there have been some magnificent one-sided demolitions almost of the opposition. And we've seen the new man mountain uh, that is Erling Haaland. So where do you start? How, how would you analyse the season so far? I think we, we all know, Cheesy, that it's, um, it's, it's very early to start to have any real kind of consensus of what, what the league is going to look like. We've got players that are still betting in. We've got Akanji to come in. You know, we've not had uh, Laporte's been injured. Obviously, uh, Ake's been out injured in and out. Um, it, it's trying to get that rhythm going where you've got someone like um, Erling who just gives you something very, very different. And yet he's also got all the attributes, albeit that he's probably twice the size of Sergio Aguero. He's, he's got all of those. Um, it's it's trying to recognise how to how to play to his strengths, and and we've also got to recognise, in, in my opinion, that you've got so many teams now are, that are really trying to scrutinise how to who's going to come up with the best answers to the questions that City pose, and you've got to say hats off to uh, Aston Villa's coaching staff, you know, because I fe I felt that despite the fact that we should have put the game to bed early in the first half, in my again in, in my opinion. Um, I thought that they played particularly well against us. I thought they worked tirelessly. And when they did win the ball back, they weren't just clearing the lines. You know, Watkins was always available, seemed to be available, you know, seemed to hold the ball up really well. And and I thought, you know, as the game went on second half, you could probably argue that we were maybe a bit fortunate towards <laughs> the end to come away with a draw. But there's still that frustration when you've got someone like Erling who you know is, is, a, is a goal machine. And I think Phil Foden... I mean, you know, my opinion is on Phil Foden. You know, he he's Ballon d'Or in the making. He's that good. But again, with Phil, a couple of occasions early on the season where, you know, he's got to be selfless. The same true Kyle Walker in the first half because that then is 2-0 and it's game done. That's it. It's game done. Now, I hate to can ever use Manchester United as an analogy. Um, but in terms of, you know, the game this afternoon, 
you know, um, when he was put through for the, I think it was for the second or third goal, um, and he squared it for um, Rashford. You know, that kind of someone that is selfless there. He could have gone on by himself trying to score, but he's just passed the ball across the box. It's it's 3-1 it's and it's game done. And those are the things that as good as we are, we just need to make sure that we're putting teams to bed when we have those clear-cut chances. And when you've got a player like Erling Haaland in your squad, in your team, in your starting eleven. And you know the positions that he finds time and time again. You have to, you have to feed him. You have to give the ball to him because you know it's in the back of the net. And and it's those things. Alongside that, Rodri's been playing well. Cancelo's finding his form again now. Ilkay Gundogan, you know, I just, I just think with every challenge he steps up. You know, and he's he's just Mister Consistent. You know, Kev, we know how good Kev is. So we've got players that are maybe dipping between sevens and nines in terms of form. Um, but at the same time, we're just really, we're not finding our rhythm 100% yet, or even 90% yet. But at 80% of our rhythm, we've seen how good we are. And we are still going to be the team to beat. We are, we are playing the best football. We have the most exciting uh, formation style of play. But what we're going to find this season, chaps, we're going to find teams trying to find ways to stop us. And when you do that, what it means is that you have to be brave on the ball coming forward. So John Stones is going to be brave. Diaz is going to be brave. You know, and, and with that, gaps are going to appear. So we might get frustrated because the numbers behind the ball are trying to stop us. And it's far easier to stop them to, than, than to create. Although you do have to have a defensive formation and be very organised, disciplined and be cute as well. What you'll find is that teams that will do that have got to be brave on the counter. And so that's what I'm going to say, Jeezy, this season. What I can see is we'll get better, which is a frightening prospect, a frightening prospect. But other teams are going to try to adopt some kind of a, a map of how to play against us, how to negotiate us, how to stifle us, how to frustrate us, and then to try and just nick things. So we have to be clever, not giving away silly free kicks, you know, 30 yards out, just little nudges and pushes that we know, as wonderful as Cancelo is, he is the kind of player that will do that. We just need to make sure that we mitigate those opportunities. And you see Liverpool are getting stronger. Arsenal have been superb, even though they got beat by Manchester United. They were the better team. but So we've got teams. Chelsea are going to get better. Spurs will probably peak around third, fourth. So we are going to be the team to beat, as always. We are the best team, not just on paper. We are the best team with the best squad, with the best manager. But we can't assume anything. It's going to be a really, really fantastically exciting season. The game on Tuesday will be testament to that. But I'll come back to it. As good as all of our players are, if you if you play the ball into Haaland when you need to, he will score and he will be the difference this season. God willing, I'm touching wood here, which you can't see, that he stays fit and he will be the difference. And you look, all the pundits, no one can say enough about him because his right foot is probably his weakest part to his game. And that's still superb. What a thought. What a signing. And to finish off, really cheesy, look at the money we've spent. Look at the money that, that we brought in. Look at the revenues. Look at the look at the, the game that is awash with City players that have come to our academy. You know, it's a business that's working fantastically well. Everything off the pitch is going great. On the pitch, it's going great and it will get better. You keep saying it's never going to be a better time to be a blue. And then the new season comes on, you're thinking, my God, it's better again. I can argue with the words you're saying, Paul. I love listening to you. Um, I've worked with alongside you loads of times, and I've described your narratives often as Churchillian speeches. And uh, there you go again. You've done another one. If, if I was in your dressing room, I'd run through two brick walls for you because you always <laughs> say all the right things. Let, let me see what the other two fellas have got to say, first of all, about the Aston Villa game, because um, I know it was a draw. Uh, I know it wasn't a victory. But when I spoke to people for the YouTube vlog that I do after the game, there were one or two who were a little bit disappointed. And there was certainly some criticism that Julian Alvarez didn't come on. Uh, you know, that on the one hand, people are saying, well, he's perhaps being saved for Seville. 
well, he's only a kid, isn't he? I mean, surely he could have come on for, for half an hour or whatever. Uh, but there are others saying, you know, he should have started. Never mind coming on. He should have played. Um, where, where do you two stand on that? Let's start with Stephen, who I know was was down at Villa Park. What, what, what are your thoughts on uh, the Villa game to begin with? I think uh, when we when we left the ground and we got back to the car, it was uh, it's, it's it's funny how far we've come because you're a little bit disappointed with a draw sometimes these days, and that just shows your progress. But when you, I think you need sort of 12, 24 hours to say, well, look, that's off to Aston Villa in the end because I thought the draw at Newcastle again was disappointing because we got back to three all and didn't finish them off. Whereas Newcastle in the first half really went at us. But I thought yesterday was the opposite, where we scored straight after our time and Villa came back into the game quite well near the end. And like Paul said, the, you know, we did we did hang on a couple of occasions. And uh, but we also missed our chances at vital times yesterday. But again, going back to that, a draw, a draw is a draw. We're unbeaten so far. Fully agree with Paul. We're going to get better and better. We're, we're sort of notos, notoriously slow starters. But we, we can't... Uh, I'm not saying that we're, we're not allowed to criticise the team or the manager at any stage, but we can't complain at this moment in time. It's one that, yeah, Last Wednesday night was people, the ultimate entertainment. You and people around you weren't sort of going, well, why is he not brought Alvarez on then? And why has he not done that? You were... You were of the opinion that because Pep, and we all know he is a genius, I mean, nobody's going to gonna argue with that. I, I hope Pep stays for the next 100 years at City, frankly. Yeah. Um, but you can still you can still think... Yeah, we, we, can certainly, we can certainly ask that question because uh, I, I actually thought that uh, Phil Folden was quite lucky to stay on, to be, to be fair, because as good as he is, he was a little bit disappointing. It's uh, it's hard to criticise, but I, I just thought compared to his normal standards, uh, you know, he wasn't as good as he normally is. But and I thought maybe Alvarez comes on on the left or whatever, and you know, we we I didn't know whether Bernardo could have gone inside to do a bit more creativity, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know. Pet knows. Paul knows more than me. So, but 24 hours on, I think, well, we got the point. We were a point behind top and we've got, like we said, we're going to get better and better. Adam, what's your assessment of where City are at the moment in that Villa game? Yeah, I probably agree with everyone else. I mean, we've said, you know, we've said it every year that Pep brings us in cold into the season and he warms us up slowly. And he's said himself many times, he just wants us to be in the reckoning come New Year's Day. And if we are in the reckoning New Year's Day with, and we're then fit and firing, we, we will go on and win it. We will go on and win it this year. We are still cold. We are still learning how to play with her, with Haaland. Uh, you can see, I mean, I felt, I felt so sorry for... So, felt so sorry for Foden right near the end. There was a, a chance yesterday where he, 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 the ball fell to Foden in a box and you just knew he could bury it, but he desperately tried to find Haaland because he's been getting grief for not passing to Haaland in the previous games. And he tried to find Haaland when he should have just scored and he would have just scored. And the crowd around me were going mad blaming Foden. We're learning still how to play with Haaland. The whole style, that whole horseshoe shape that we used to play around the back and with the false nine and people dropping deep, that's all gone now. It's, we're playing a much more direct style. We're still learning. We're still, we've blown teams away with, with, with a guy who's, who's played six games for the club. Uh, you know, and like the others have said, we, you know, we're, we're near the top of the league and we're still learning. We're warming up, we're heating up. We'll walk this league. We will walk this league. You're convinced of that, are you? I mean, I've yeah. not seen anything yet to, to be worried about. Paul, let me ask you specifically, because I can't think of anybody, anybody better to ask this question to, and I mean anybody. You know, you in your career were notorious for being able to play in any position, and I think did play in pretty much every position. And here we have a Pep team uh, where Pep says... If it was up to him, he'd play 11 midfielders, you know, and he pretty much does with Edison in goal, you know, play 11 midfielders. It, and Adam's just talked about that horseshoe shape, it's beautifully described and, and the interchange of passing that we had. And you can see how Zinchenko played in that and Cancelo played in that and 
often we talked about an extra body going into midfield. It feels now under this new system, although it's clearly developing as it goes along, that Kyle Walker has been asked to play slightly differently. He is, a, as far as I'm concerned, a brilliant fullback. I love him as a fullback. He's got tremendous pace. He reads the game, I think, personally, he reads the game. You might disagree with me very, very well. I really like him as a footballer. I'm not completely convinced of him as a midfielder. Now, having played at fullback in your career, I've been played at centre-back, I've been played in midfield, I've been played everywhere. You could give us a little bit of an insight about how difficult it is to play in those different positions and whether... Kyle Walker's got to change his mindset. And from what you've seen of Kyle, whether or not he is capable of, of interchanging in the way that Cancelo has shown he can do, Zinchenko has shown he can do, and other players have shown they can do. So I just wonder what your thoughts are on Walker and this new role. I think with Kyle, um, he's obviously been developing under Pep and he's been asked to undertake certain roles and responsibilities, which he's, he's maybe not as comfortable uh, to do as, you know, you know, he can rely on his pace and his, his strength, you know, and he's got a great diagonal, he's got a lovely strike of the football, you know, no one's going to run him, you know, when he's switched on, you know, but again, you know, when you look at the game against Newcastle with Sam Maximan, there's still players that are going to ask questions of you. So it's how are you going to respond to that? And are you going to still maintain your composure? When Pep talks about midfield players are having a, a team of wash with midfield players, what I'd like to think is about players that are comfortable getting their head up. And that's something that Kyle Walker, you know, he's 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 got the he's got the capability to do that. He's not got the feet of Cancelo, he's not got the feet of Zinchenko, he's not he's not adept in that way. So it's all going to be around the the work that's going to happen on the training ground. And it's put him, been putting him into that position where he's going to be expected to get his head up, where he's going to be checking his shoulder more than he's ever done. You know, by he's been going to try to look to, 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 to create angles and make passes that he's not comfortable normally in playing. Normally his pass will be, he'll, he'll, he'll open his hips out and he'll play, play a nice firm ball to, to, to his wide man or he'll play that diagonal or he'll go across to his centre-halves. So being able to receive the ball and play those little angled passes that Ilkay and Rodri and Cancelo and Zinchenko would not be very, very comfortable with is something which um, he, he could do. He could be comfortable with it, um, but whether or not he really wants to. And as soon as you're put under pressure and you give the ball away with that type of pass, you've got to be able to have the courage and the bravery to receive the ball, to want the ball, to get your head up and to try to create those passes again. So this is going to be a learning curve for Kyle Walker this season. So the jury is going to be out. Yet, does he have the capability to do it? Yes, of course he does. He's a, you know, he's a professional footballer to an everyday with our team. You can't help but be better. But I'm just not sure whether, you know, when he plays for England, he'll play as a three. Um, but when he's stepping into that space, you just see that his body language, he, he often closes, he closes his, his options too quickly. And that's a combination of his body position and not getting his head up sooner and checking his shoulder. Now, you know, think about David Silva, even players like Frank Lampard, it's just a natural movement. They would know three, four, five passes ahead. You know, we talk about, you know, Kev De Bruyne and players like that. So it's difficult for Kyle. He's having to really rethink his game. So I'm never going to be critical of him because he's having to be brave. So it's about those patterns of play. It's about rewiring his brain in those pathways so that he understands that these are the options. This is the, the movements that I need to make. These are the body positions that I need to make sure that I'm aware of. And also, we have to factor in the opposition. So will he be pressed? Will he be targeted? Is he comfortable doing that? So all these things are going to be a fascinating development during the course of the season, Cheesy. I have to say that it's a head and a heart time. My heart says... Yes, he, he, of course he can because of the players that are around him. But there's a little bit in me that, that just gets that sense that he's just not comfortable doing that. And I'd hate for him to be found out and isolated because of it. But there are players in our team that are much better at doing that than he is. And Cancelo is a case in point. Just before Adam oh, comes in, I just wanted to say that having watched you play and play in all these different positions, I wonder genuinely, did you, when you when when a manager said to you, right, 
Paul, you're playing in this position today. Did you sit there in the before the game and think, well, I've got to do this today, I've got to do that? Or, or was it the, the coach that told you what the different tweaks that you had to make to your game? Or did you just do it naturally? I, I just wonder from your personal point of view, playing in different positions, how did that work for you? Guys, I've got to be honest, as much as I respected our managers, we were never really given that. It was a case of these are your expectations on a Friday. Sometimes I'd be walking back from Platt Lane on a Friday and be told I'm playing left back because so and so's injured. And my preparation is these are the players you're picking up corners against. And that's it. That's it. You know, so you think about the preparation that these players have in our team, and rightly so, it's drilled and drilled and drilled. So Kyle will know what's expected of him if he places a three as a four, if he steps in, all those things. But it's got to be about, you know, other players' appreciation of him to help him out. But luckily, when you've got Rodri, you've got Ilkay, you've got Kev, you've got players in those spaces that will help him out. You know, he should be okay. But it's just, as I say, it's about how he helps himself and does he believe in himself in those positions. When we're winning and we're scoring two and three goals, anyone can look a million dollars. And by the way, it doesn't take much, in my opinion, for Kyle to look a million dollars. It's when you might be getting beat 1-0 or you're hitting a brick wall and you can't break that down to still be brave and to still do those things. And that's where, you know, again, we'll see whether Kyle can really achieve that. Hopefully he can. He's certainly got the abilities. I just hope that he truly believes in himself in that situation. Adam? Yeah, well, it's it's interesting, really, because one thing that's really struck me this season is that this ability to change and learn and learn on the job is the positivity of the crowd. Um, I really feel like I've never in all my life seen a positivity of a crowd. I remember the other day we went one down in the first five minutes. So was it to Palace or whatever? And the City fans were just straight away supportive. Um, and I just feel I just feel like City players are, at the moment are allowed to make mistakes and they're allowed to learn on the job and there's such an energy in the crowd that's you know increased by the presence of Haaland. There's such a positivity in the crowd. I wonder if Paul thinks that that makes it easier for someone like Kyle to learn a new a new role if 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 he's allowed to make the odd mistake and the crowd just won't get on his back. Yeah. They'll just yeah. they just want to see it change. They want to see the new the new City. I think you can really sense the love, you know, and, and I just wonder, I'm, I'm not so much targeting you, I'm targeting Cheesy and Steve here. Do we think that, and this is no disrespect to you guys, and I'm not for one second saying that you are this way, but do you remember that City fan of ours that was typical City, that attitude? Do you think that's dying out? Do you guys Gone. think it's yeah. dying out? I, I do. Steve? Yeah. I, well, I, I'm just going to pick a point. I think it's not, massively new to him coming inside or inverted fullback as they say but what I will say I think what I've noticed that his first touch is a lot better than when he started doing this I think it used to bounce off him quite a bit and it, it was like one of those where I look at the opposition and and they come they used to run at him when he got the ball because I think they thought he's a bit vulnerable with his touch in the same way where a fullback pushes Riyad Mahrez back towards his own halfway line but I think now, I think Kyle's touch and his passing is a lot better than it was, say, two or three seasons ago. But it, it, I agree, he's still learning. And he's, it, I mean, yesterday I thought his first half was below par for him. But uh, I've got every confidence that he'll do it. I think he's, he's he's a lot better. And I'm watching the documentary at the moment and he's quite he's, he's a bit of a leader in the dressing room as well. Mm. He's very vocal. You know, so, Steve, when you mentioned, Steve, about that situation, something else that comes to mind is when, when teams will defend from the front. And what we're seeing now is that, that teams are forcing us to play a certain way. You know, when, when they have, when, when we have the ball, so to speak, and, and what you'll find is that more and more we're going to get that front three working really hard to try to sort of make our passes go as wide as possible. Now, if you watch the game yesterday and maybe watch it again, you'll see that it, on very few occasions did Kev and Ilkay were they able to receive the ball in that wide pocket area. So not completely touchline, but in those wide pocket areas, you know, and it's because of the angles that the forward lines are, are, are making City players play. So we might have to go a little bit more direct in that yeah. next pass to miss out and then to play from there. And what I like about what Adam was saying before is that, yeah, we are direct in some respects, but we also got to remember, as we saw by 
Haaland's second goal against Forest was that we won the ball back and it was pass, 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 pass. Phil has a chance, he gets tackled and then he taps it in. But it's still got that one-touch football, still got that wonderful, you know, capability. And 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 Erling can do that. And you also mentioned around Phil and around that chance. And I totally get what you're saying. The thing is, when you're in that wide area, that angle, if your first touch is not quite at it, the, the angle closes down. So you've got no goal to hit. Now that hit when Phil scored that goal at Anfield in the two-two, yeah. his touch was perfect. Yeah. And he, he he hit it at the right time, at the right angle, and it was beautiful. And that's what he's got in his locker. But you have to remember that that angle has got to be absolutely spot on for you to want to get the shot off. Otherwise, all you can look to do there is make you make a save. You might parry into play and you follow up. Whereas if that ball is squared, you know, around Harlem, you've seen him, his head, both of his feet, the length of his limbs, the strength that he's got. His his first goal, he should not have been able to score that goal, but because of his strength, he held him off. You know, yeah. in the in the four two against Palace, you know that that his hat trick goal was because of his strength. That's why he just has that little bit of extra in there because of his movement, his awareness, but his length of his limbs and his power. All those things mean that more often than not, if the right ball comes across and it's first time, he will stick it away. Whereas in those wide areas, as much as we never want players to, to not have a shot at goal, you've also got to make sure that you're selfless when it's for the betterment of the team. As mentioned before, Ericsson does that for United. He could have had a shot there, could have been greedy. But then if he misses that, that then you get your tails up, you go back and then you get an equaliser potentially. It's about, to, if we get two-goal cushion against any team, and I mean this, if we get two-goal cushion against any team in this division, it's game over. Two goal yeah. cushions, game over. In my opinion, now that's where we're at. But got to make sure that we put teams to bed, and that's why you see Pep is like a, a blue bottle at the window when that ball doesn't come across the box, isn't it? Because you know that it's it's a game done, and then we keep the ball, we bully the we we rest with the football, we bully teams, the chase, the chase, the chase. You've got players that are on thousands of thousands pounds a week, international footballers that have got egos like the size of my house, the size of your house. And, you know, all they're doing is chasing the tail. They're just chasing shadows. And it's demoralising. It's mentally, it's, it just destroys you. That's when you start lashing out, you get free kicks away, you get sent off. Two goals does that. And we've got to make sure that in those situations, we put teams to bed. We do it. And as, as they were saying, the season can be done. Absolutely. Now, Adam um, brought up a great subject about fans and the way that fans are chasing. And you challenged Stephen and I about whether typical City was gone. And that is a very good subject area, actually, to explore a little further, because um, I've noticed fans after after the games when I talk to them, especially on, on winning days, saying, I especially when they come back as well, like against Crystal Palace or Newcastle, saying that they, they never doubted that, that City would come back. I think you're right, Adam. Uh, certainly, I can feel that there is a, a, a different mentality happening now. I think the crowd are a little bit louder as well. I mean, I'm the last person to talk about that yeah. because I'm like as quiet as a mouse in a game. But obviously, I do enjoy listening to other people singing and creating that atmosphere. But you can sense it either when you're at a game or when you're watching it on TV, can you, Adam? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a it's a part, of, and even even coming out of the ground yesterday, we it's a disappointing result, but people are not angry. You know, I I I, I actually thought we were pretty poor yesterday. I thought a lot of my favourite players were were not at the best yesterday, and I do think in in the end we were pretty lucky to get the point we got. But I don't come away angry about it. You just think, well, next week we'll some will hammer somebody. Well, you know, we, you don't need to win every game of the season to win the league. We're going to yeah. win the league. So there's, there's still a party atmosphere coming out of the ground, I felt, yesterday. And, yeah, yeah I'm loving it. I'm loving it at the moment. I think you're right. And, and it's it's right, Cesar. Sorry to make just, just because when I'm talking to my pals, and some of my pals were a typical city. And, and the reason why I asked that question was because, you know, too often in seasons gone past, there's there's a, we're talking about a game, like you say, we've seen, we've seen you know, football, which we've, we've never seen. You know, in our yeah. lifetimes at Manchester City, yeah. and I'll speak to some pals of mine, 
And there'll always be a yeah, but in the conversation. I'm thinking there's no yeah, but there's no yeah, but coming because this is this is perfect football almost. And even when we go two goals down in the last game of the season, we have to we have to win. We score three goals in how many minutes? You know, that's what we do. That's what we're about. That's what the stack capabilities. If you believe it, then then with the fans and you know the, in that positivity, you can achieve those things. But if you're always being that negative, and you know, even fans in 2012 that were leaving the stadium, and we know they were, there was, there was, those fans have been converted now. Those fans wouldn't walk out again, you know. And this is all down to that mentality. But I've got to say, it's the younger fans, the younger fans that are inspiring the older fans of our generation to sort our act out and to get behind the team. And I truly believe. I think that. it's Pep. I think it's Pep. I think it's Pep that's inspiring us all. In fact, it's my belief. He's, te- he's teaching us to take it on the chin. You take a draw on the chin now because Pep know, we, we know that Pep will lead us to a win next week. That's all. You've been I around all the time, haven't you? I was just thinking, I was going to say that probably a couple of seasons ago, once we'd had the 100 points in the football, that season was outstanding. There was a time when if we weren't winning in 10 minutes, there was murmurs in the crowd. You know, like, you think, why are we not winning? Well, you know, we don't have a right to be winning 2 or 3 nil after 10 minutes. As even if we play very well for 10 minutes. But I think patience has come into us as well as a crowd. And we've got that belief that at some stage we can win this game. You know, and that's, and I think, it, like Adam says, it's positivity, but it's belief as well. Belief that this, this result will come in time. And it's a bit of a shock if it doesn't, but sometimes it doesn't. Crystal Palace at home last year, Southampton at home. You know, we're coming up to Tottenham at home and that was frustrating last year. But still, we're still the better teams, but we lose, you know. But uh, positivity, belief, everything. This the crowd. Adam's right. The crowd has changed. Mm-hmm. There's a fine line between becoming arrogant, which I don't want to become, and I don't want our fan base to become, and and actually having confidence. The the thing that you're talking about, which is reversing the typical city. Um, I mean, all I can say is when I sat there at the Villa game and we went two nil down. Um, I, I'm just a season ticket holder like everybody else these days and I'm sat next to a lady and she's looking pretty uh, forlorn at this point and, and I just turned to her and this isn't doesn't come from arrogance but this is the reverse of the typical city and maybe I was guilty of typical city you know for, for a long time we all were because city were typical city back then but I turned to this lady and I said don't worry they'll get an equal they'll get one then they'll get a second and we'll still win the game don't panic. You know how good this team is. You know how good Pep is. These players are streets ahead of Aston Villa. It will happen, believe me. And I just said it very calmly. I didn't say it in a sort of, you know, we're the best and an arrogant way. It just seemed very logical and factual to me. And when Jeez, the first goal went, right. I, I think, said, there you go. <laughs> yeah, I think I think you're right. But what, what's interesting is that in that game, you're looking at, you're looking at Foden, you know, you're looking at Sterling, you're looking at, you know, might have been at the time Jesus, you might be looking at Kev, but then Ilkay comes up with two. So whatever you try to nullify, another player steps up, another player steps up. And in this team, even with Haaland in the side, we've got other players that we know will step up. I mean, Cancelo's goal, you know, from the edge of the box, you know, as a, as a case in point, we've got goals all over this pitch. I wouldn't put it past this season Edison scoring at some point. I really wouldn't. <laughs> I don't mean with his head either, but a, a corner. I mean getting the ball around sort of 60 yards out and spanking it in the top bin because that's in his locker. But it's just so exciting, you know, and that's the thing, you know, with my family and with what City now, absolutely buzzing before the game. And it, I suppose now, because of the things that we do do well in the game, you can recognise that. If we polish up in certain areas, it's, we're always learning to get better. And when I mentioned around Phil squaring the ball, you know, I mentioned about Kyle doing that. It's only because once you do that, then other teams are deflated. And that's when you really go and express yourself. And that's when with our capabilities, we stretch the pitch, we stretch the game, we get people, you know, players chasing the tails. And that's when the real quality starts to appear. And, you know, Haaland can take players away and somebody else can score. You know, and there's that mentality. I think Pep's got a lovely squad but he's also got some really good people. You know, there's no, there's no big time Charlie's in there. 
You know, the thoughts of Ronaldo coming to City made so many City fans, you know, just it just turned to sour the thought of it because as amazing as he's been as a footballer, he's not the fit. He's not the personality for our squad. And you see how much they enjoy each other's company. And we buzz off that because we want our players to be good people and to be and to be a good laugh and, and to be good fun. And Harland is good fun as well. You know, he's all those things, isn't he? And much more besides. So it's a real thrill to be a City fan at the moment, you know. And when you even the thoughts of as 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 we were back in my time to be able to to pass the shirt on to bigger and to better and to to more exciting times, you know, it's just it's just something that you know we're all excited about. And we don't talk about you know we eventually we will win this because no one knows that you know no one knows about. Champions League and all those kind of permutations. But all I do know is that Manchester City as a football club from, you know, from, from the academy right the way through, on the pitch, off the pitch, is just the best team to support. It's just such a... a you can be so proud, can't you, to be a City fan in, in, in how we are and, and what we do and the players that we, we develop and the players that get released and how they're supported, the fans that are supported. We're going to go through an awful six months now in this country, you know, with our conservatives and all those clams that are trying to, you know, do what they what what they don't do well. You know, and it's about being inspired. It's about being able to keep our chin up and try to keep going. When you've got a football team that do what our team does, you know, it, it just, it makes the weekend worthwhile. It makes everything, you know, to look forward to. There's not that much to look forward to. So long may that continue. And I think that humility that our players have, I think it just sends a message to, to Manchester. That's what we're really all about. It's just lovely. I'm going to ask you about the uh, the academy because I know you watch a lot of academy football in the role that you have and anyway, just because of the passion that you have, Paul. And we've seen play, and you've already said it in your last answer a little bit, you know, players have started to come out of that academy um, production line, if you want to call it that. I know it, that sounds a bit crude, but you know what I mean. Um, and, and we're starting to reap the rewards. I mean, this summer, City made a net profit on transfers despite signing all these fabulous players like Alvarez and, and Erling Haaland and Calvin Phillips and whatnot, which we haven't even seen yet, and Sergio Gomez and the new Swiss defender. I mean, they still made a profit. When you watch that academy, you, you've been waxing lyrical quite rightly about the wonderful football that we watch. I watch academy football too. Uh, and it is like a mini version of what Pep's team does. To me, I, I, the only the biggest disappointment really that I have is that when I'm sat in that academy stadium watching the EDS games, which frustratingly sometimes coincide when City's first team is playing elsewhere, so I can't go. But whenever I can go... I look around and there might be three or four hundred people there and I'm thinking, there should be 5,000 people here watching this. This is brilliant. Some of these kids are amazing. Um, so just tell me a little bit about, you know, your journey of watching the academy and what you see. And I guess it's going to be all positive, but, you know, try and help me to convince more people to go and watch the academy games. Well, I think what, what you'll find is that when you see how this, how we, how we play out, and, and how brave the players are on the ball, you know, from the goalkeeper, you know, right the way through, you know, the you'll 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 see that the we have a real identity, and, and our style of play is so consistent right throughout. You know, when you go, you know, from from the uh, youth development phase right the way through, you, know, you are seeing, you know, players that are typical. The typical type of players that can can handle the football. This is the one thing that I love because I had so many coaches, you know, criticizing City by saying, "Yeah, yeah, they play a certain way, but they can't play elsewhere." What a load of rubbish! And that's it. It's about having the tools in your toolbox. Can I handle the football? Can I get my head up in the right areas? Can I pass that ball with the right way to pass to receive it again so I can take it in my stride and put a first-time ball across the box? Can I get my head up and use my goalkeeper and make an angle to receive the ball again when it's the next pass but one that I'm going to receive and play forward straight away? See, this is all the, it's all about these patterns of play, these drills. But there's that many drills that, you know, in one area of the pitch, you could have 20, 30 options. And because you're able to handle the football, because you're able to get your head up and because your body position is in the right way, 
then you can you can find these passes. And that's that's when you see the real flair and the skill. Because to be able to control that ball and when it's fizzed into you and take it first time on your touch, like Steve was saying on Carl Walker, whilst getting your head up for that next pass and then going for the next pass again, you're not patting yourself on the back saying, oh, it's a great pass, me, well done, me. You're going for the next one and the next one and the next one and you want the ball. When you've got 10, 11 players on the pitch that want the ball all the time, and that's what the nine-year-olds do, you know, when they're expressing themselves. That's when the 13-year-olds do, when they're learning to play as a team. You know, and that's when you get to 16, 17, 18, and our players are learning how to win, but in a selfless and a team ethical way. You know, these are the things that, that the foundations that you build, it's so intelligent. It's so, so clever. You know, when you see it, because before Mancini, when Mancini was there, we weren't playing that way. The under 12s, the under 14s were playing that way. So the investment was there. The foresight was there. And now when, we, when we're buying players in and still making a profit, that's 12 years ago. That's 10 years ago. That's eight years ago. That's the foresight. There's a genius to that business model. And that genius has come from one man. It might be influenced by by certain others, cheeky, et cetera, but it's Pep Guardiola, you know? And when we talk about managers that that change someone's style of play, like, you know, Ten Hag at United might change them. Pep Guardiola changed football in this country, root and branch. That's the difference. That's what we're talking That's our manager. And he has built that in to our academy before he was even at the football club. No, no one does that. You know, that's it. And you've got players that can play as a left back. They can play as a as a wing back. They can step in and play as a midfield player, all in one position. In one fell swoop, they encapsulate how to go from defence into attack. Just because you've got a number on your back and you're described as you play a certain way. No, no, no. You can play anywhere on that football pitch. And that's what all of our players have got that capability. You know, when you'll see more and more of our academy players popping up across the Premier League, the Championship, Division One, you know, and going into La Liga, going into Serie A, you know, all these divisions are going to be awash with English players, British players, Manchester City players. And because they've got the skills that they can play anywhere and any of our players, look at our bench, they can all step up and play in our first team. We've still got players out on loan as well. It's just mouthwatering the talent pool that we have. We're so fortunate, but we've also, geez, we've also got the coaches as well. You've got Jason Wilcox. No one knows our identity and our style of play in more detail than he does. No, that's what we're talking about. You've got leaders creating leaders, creating leaders. There's inspiration right the way through the club. And that isn't just the coaching staff. That's every member of staff. You know, take a real pride in wearing the badge. It's not twee. It's not nice and pat yourself on the back. It's it's pushing boundaries. It's being trailblazers. And that's what our club has right the way through. And it, when you see it from afar and you just get a, you just get a sniff of what might be, and then 10 years later, you see what we've got now in our game, Cheesy. And it's down to all those plans, all that hard work, all that effort. It's genius. Absolute genius. And can I just back that up by saying that Paul is not just saying this as a former player, but as somebody who has had a real insight into City's academy. I know he has. So he's speaking from a position here of absolute authority. So take what he's saying very, very seriously. As a City fan, you should be so, so encouraged by that. And not only do the academy plays pop up everywhere, but I would suggest that Gabriel Jesus and Alexander Senchenko are now Arsenal's best players. <laughs> you know, yeah. so, you know, that, that, that's happening everywhere. So the final question before I get, I know Adam wants to come in. Um, just a quick one. Um, I, I suppose I know what you're going to answer here, but if you'd have been a player in Pep's squad do you think you'd have been a better even better player than you were Paul Jeez, oh, 100% I'd have been better in all areas to my game you know and, and again just been been given that the confidence when someone like that is showing you is guiding you is walking alongside you you know and then you've got players all around that are raising the standards you know, just very, very quickly, because you no know, Adam's like chomping at the bit to get in. Sorry, mate. It's just that he's that very nature of having a reserve team, having to play games to prepare you for the first team. 
you know, the intensity that our training ground has now at the first team, at the 21s, at the 18s, the intensity that is created in training, you know, the levels are so, so high that, you know, everyone is, is, is just of a standard, always wanting to be better, always wanting to learn, you know, and so being in and around that camp would have been an absolute dream. And not just myself, all the players of my age and, and you know, before and after would have only dreamt to have had a coach like Pat Guardiola to, to have worked with. And these boys, I'm sure they do appreciate it, but they are so very lucky at the same time. Adam, go on, it's your turn now. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I, I can't agree more with everything that's just been said. And um, what I was wanting to say was in those early days of those first couple of pep seasons when, we, when he was, you know, just taking us to new levels, I remember thinking just enjoy this football. He won't be here forever. He'd only done three years at Barca or four years at Munich or whatever it was. And I just thought, well, if we get three or four years out of Pep, we play this great football, we win these trophies, that, that'll be great. And then we'll worry about what comes after. After In the last couple of years, I think for the first time ever, you feel like he's now giving youngsters minutes which he never did in those first seasons. He was, he, you know, he used to bring on Mares on the in the 89th minute or whatever it might be. Suddenly, he's bringing kid, he's bringing kids on, giving kids 10, 15 minutes here and there. It makes you think. Hopefully, he's he's taking a longer term approach here. And what we really need to do, we want to milk every every season we can get out of Pep and win every trophy we can. But what I really want him to do is to do what they said right at the beginning, which is he's got to be our Johan Cruyff. And if, if he ever gets burned out or he ever gets stressed out, we need to keep him in the club at whatever le- hierarchical level he needs to be. And we need to just, we just need to keep that, that system going that Paul talks about. We need to have the, you know, we need to have people who are 10 years old now playing in the first team in eight years, 10 years time. And, um, and, and that can be the legacy of Pep Guardiola, not just this great football we see now and these trophies we win now, but the reinvention of the club to, to just go on and be, the best we can be for the next decade, 20 years, whatever it might be. I don't think anybody would disagree with you at all, Stephen. Uh, I just, uh, the biggest compliment I will say to Pep is that I watch, uh, I record the football league highlights as well. I like watching the goals from all, all the divisions. And if you watch a football game these days, how many goalkeepers now play that ball short? Hmm. You know, it's not the long ball out. Stan Collymore, his famous words was, Pep won't be able to come to England and do what he does in Barcelona or Bayern Munich. He's not only changed us, he's changed the whole of English football. The way managers talk to the goalkeepers and the goalkeepers play out and all this. And yes, there are mistakes. Some players are not as confident about doing it. But he's changed the whole of English football. But more than that, he's just changed our football club, which is absolutely fantastic. Absolutely. That's something right. Sorry, just wanted to jump on piggyback on that point. When he was in Barcelona, didn't Spain win Euros, World Cup, Euros? Then he went to Bayern Munich, Germany won the World Cup. Then he comes to England, England gets to a semi final and a final, which they haven't done in half a century. Where he yeah. goes, it yeah. succeeds. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. He's certainly an inspirational man. Um, in what's left of the podcast, I was going to just look ahead a little bit. City play in Europe this week. Uh, and now I know that by the time some people listen to this podcast, um, the game against Seville might have even been played. So I'm not, I don't want to go into the sort of fine detail of that particular fixture. But as we look at the game, uh, the, the group, sorry, we've got two games against Seville, two games against Copenhagen, two games against Dortmund. Personally, um, at the risk of sounding arrogant, which I've said before is not the thing I want to be, but I feel that confident that City will get through the group, that when I look at the fixtures, yes, a win in Seville would would feel like it's set the, the victory in the group already up because I'd expect City to beat Copenhagen home and away, um, and I'd certainly expect them to beat Seville at home. So I look at the group and think, and even if they lost to Dortmund, you know, the to go through. That, that's how I look at the group. How, how do you look at the group now? I mean, I don't see it as the toughest group. I don't see it as the weakest group, but I don't see any problem despite the quick succession of these qualifying games because they've all got to be fitted in before the, uh, you know, the November World Cup. I don't see any great difficulties. Do you? Um, should we start with Stephen? I mean, what, 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 do, you, what do you think? Uh, well, we go back to the arrogance things. Is uh, it, I think, and somebody used it in your vlogies today. Is that 
it's quietly confident rather than overconfident. So yes, we have the capabilities of beating all three teams home and away, but we have to turn up on the day to do it and work hard to win it. So yeah, I would expect us to get through. Adam? Yeah, well, um, I mean, the one thing that Pep always says is, you know, if you trust the process, you'll win You'll win more than you lose. And um, if we win four games out of six, then we'll go, we'll go through. So even if there's a slip up in one game or another, we're, we're better than those three teams. We should, we should be able to win four out of six. So, yeah, I would say it's a failure if we don't go through. You wouldn't have any concerns, Paul, about this group, would you? No, no. Um, I would say that um, the players themselves will be expecting to to win every single game, you know, especially because of the form that we're in. Uh, also, there is a standard now, and and you know what it's like, guys, is when you when you win and you win well, and you know that just the positivity, you know, that it just enables you to really um, test yourself and challenge yourself, and and maybe as Adam was saying there about giving younger players opportunity to play in some of those European games because that experience is invaluable you know so I expect us to to be able to win those games certainly Seville are not where they were last season or the season before and the start to this season is testament to that in the 17th so far but it's still Champions League teams can play one off in those games and play a certain way so it's going to be fascinating going to be fascinating to see what side Pep plays and how he rotates and rests players but I, I don't see any problems at all. And and I'd be so so bold as to say that I expect us to win every game. Mm, no, I can't I can't really disagree. I mean, I know you and I, Paul, have spent many, many hours together, and I probably asked you every question I can think of in terms of, of your career. But I think it would be remiss of me for anybody that's listening to this podcast who has listened to you speak so eloquently and so passionately about City to at least ask a little bit about when you were a player, um, even though I've probably heard all the answers before. So just just tell me, uh, you know, what, what would you think of as the, 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 the big high of your career? When, if you were explaining to somebody who'd never seen you play, one of our younger fans who, you know, won't remember Paul Lake's pomp, um, what would you say about your career and how, how you look back on it? I think... There's there's different things, Jesus. Certainly being a City fan and wanting to play for our team and then making my debut before I was 18, you know, that was really exciting. And the fact that I was able to wear every shirt apart from the goalkeepers is something <laughs> that I'm particularly proud of. Um, and, and again, it was often by default, not by design, I can assure you that. But suffice it to say that, you know, when they asked you, and it was often a Friday, Thursday or a Friday, so-and-so's um, got, you know, he's got a sore throat or this is happened. Can you step in there? And you say, yeah, yeah, of course you can. Um, you know, so I've, I've, I was made captain, albeit, unfortunately, my ACL decided to um, give, a, give give way in my uh, in my second game as captain, which was a, was a frustration trying to get back. Um, but no, I think it was just the fact that, you know, I was able to, to play uh, for the team that I've always supported, always loved. The fact that you know I, I was I was a fan before, I'm a fan afterwards, and and the fact that when you've when you've played alongside some really good players, and I've even worked at the club afterwards with some of our absolute greats. You know, when Colin rest his soul. You know, with 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 Tony and Tommy Tommy Booth, Peter Barnes, Gary Owen. You know, the list goes on, doesn't it? You know, Glenn Pardo rest his soul. You know, and then. Being able to be involved in the, with with the club, albeit from the Premier League's perspective, you know, seeing how we've grown from the days of Main Road and Platt Lane to where we are now, you know, to be the uh, the world force of football, which we are, which no one can you know detract from, whether we have the Champions League or we don't have a Champions League, you know, is 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 just something to be so so proud of. But I think I created. Um, an opportunity for myself, Cheesy, and then I've I've been able to to meet some wonderful people um, that have been in my life that will always be in my life and always be a part of me. And so, as much as I'm a, you know, I'm a dad, I'm a I'm a husband, I'm a brother, I'm, I'm a son, I'm all those things. You know, there's something a bit special about being a, a player of the team that you've always supported, and and that's you know something that I'm as proud of as anything else in my life. I know that you um, 
you had a great career. You also had some downs, which we all know about the injury, etc. And I know that you've spoken about, you know, struggles with mental health at times. But looking from the outside, you know, you've got a lovely wife in Joanne. You've mentioned your kids. I would say that you have been an exceptional human being, a, a great footballer, a tribute to, to Manchester City, uh, and, and and should be so, so proud of what you've achieved in your life. I hope that's how you feel. Is that how you feel? Oh, thanks, Ian. It's very, very kind of you to say so. And there, there are there are some days, obviously, when you look back and, and there's always been a longing of what might have been, and that'll never go away because we're all fantasists, aren't we, at the end of the day? You know, we can all have a nice dream about being captain of Man City and then telling Pep that he should be picking me. And then you wake up and the cat's licking your face. You know, <laughs> you know what I mean? So I think, you know, whether it's a cat or a dog, you know, but yeah. But it's still, it's still um, something that I'm I'm ever so proud of. And, and like I say, you know, it's nothing nicer, you know, being in the company of, of, of uh, you know, genuine City fans or football fans that aren't just, aren't just, we're great and they're rubbish. It's about being able to have debate and discussion and to have our opinion and to be able to disagree in a really amicable, friendly and respectful way. You know, we all can't like the same players. I can recall so many fans that I know that were so critical of Ilkay Gundogan about three seasons ago. He was a whipping post. Then he became our hero. He was Pep's first signing after all. You know, we're at, we are going to sort of say, well, should he have played this? Why did he sign that player? Why, you know, and it's, it's great that we have these conversations. But what's fascinating is that we just keep getting better. You know, whether we like, whether fans can agree or disagree in, in our heart of hearts, we know that from Vinny, you know, uh, nice de Jong, right the way through to Pablo, to Sergio, to David Silva. David Silva's the only shirt I've got on my wall in my bedroom, in, in our bedroom upstairs. You know, and that's how much I think of, of of David more than anybody else. We're better once again this season. We're better, and wow, just wow. Well, it's always an honour to uh, to speak to you, to have you on the podcast. Uh, normally, I'll leave the last word to the podcast to our special guest Paul, but I know that Stephen wants to say something, and I suspect that Adam might as well to conclude. So I'm going to do it the other way around. So thank you very much, Paul, pleasure, for, being, for being our guest. It's always it's always great to have you on. So Stephen, um, what's your final word? Just just going back to what you said to Paul then, and uh, Paul comes across. As a long-standing City fan, obviously watching him when I was younger, and then we're we're a similar age anyway. But uh, not sorry, Paul, you're a bit younger than me. Uh, it it's been an absolute privilege to actually get to speak to him at certain games before the game, and it, the best thing about him not being a fantastic City player is then realizing what a fantastic guy he is. Uh, you know, he's a proper human being, and that I think that's the biggest compliment I can pay him. He's a, he's a you know he's a proper nice guy and you're probably blushing away now, Paul. <laughs> Sat on the other end there, but honestly, it's been a privilege to speak to you. It always is. You've been to our supporters club branches. You speak intelligently. I've always said to you that you should be the representative of Manchester City on Sky TV. I can't. I don't know how many times I've said that to you, but you should be on. Uh, but rather than just being a great favourite City player of ours. To be the nicest human being you are is that's that's my compliment to you, mate. Thank you, Steve. Adam, do you want to finish off our podcast for this week? Yeah, I can only I can only echo that. I mean, when Paul was playing, I remember. I mean, I was I was born just after the last bit of success in the sixties, and I started going. I got my first season ticket after we won the league cup in seventy six, and a, a decade of desert football until the likes of Paul came along. And I remember thinking, finally, finally, we've got somebody who's not just our own, but it's a, a Rolls-Royce player. And uh, such a sad, sad end to your career, Paul. And um, I can only echo what's just been said there, that not only you're so bloody good at football, but you, you speak so well as well. And uh, it's been an absolute pleasure to, to be on this call with you today. Oh, Absolutely. You. Well, thanks very much to Stephen and to, uh, to Adam. Uh, thanks very much to Howard Solicitors, who have offices throughout Greater Manchester and Cheshire. They specialise in areas of law that affect the individual. So it's like that if you need some help or guidance, they'll have somebody that can help you. 0161 872 9999. I'm very lucky because when I do this podcast, um, there are lots of former players who are willing to come on and be our special guest. Um, 
I won't say that Paul is the best because that would be unfair and all the others. But what, let's put it this way. There's nobody better than Paul. <laughs> um, a, a fantastic guest. Um, and I, I look forward to the next time you come on, Paul. In the meantime, I'll see you down at uh, the Etihad and we'll continue to enjoy our fantastic team together. Eh? I'm sure we will. Thanks, guys. Real pleasure. Thank Thanks you. very much, Paul, to Stephen and to Adam. Thanks for you for listening, of course. I'll be out in Seville. I'm setting off uh, Monday morning. I'll be out there doing my usual match day vlog, although maybe the post-match reaction won't be as comprehensive as normal because I also do a little bit on Champions League nights for Indian TV, Sony 6 in India. Um, so I'll be in the press box afterwards chatting to all the millions of listeners, and there are millions of them, believe me, in India. Um, so I might not get out as quick and get to, to get some reaction, but I'll still get lots of the flavour of Seville before the game, and I hope you'll uh, you'll have a look at that on YouTube so thanks very much for listening and as I always say and uh, despite the draw at Villa it makes no difference you know what it's great to be a blue <laughs>